Hi, everybody. I am Heather Wild, and welcome to Wildlife with Heather. This is my new podcast, and today I'm going to be talking about my almost off-grid journey. So I'm going to be talking about the mistakes that cost me my off-grid dream in 1999-2000. So the podcast, the podcast is going to be uh, talking about my own journey with entrepreneurship, um, off-grid living, holistic healing, and radical self-love and self-expression. And all of those tie in to why my first attempt to go off-grid did not work out. So stay tuned for further episodes where I'm going to be speaking with other entrepreneurs about how they're going off-grid or living more sustainably or um, doing holistic healing either through nutrition or therapy or personal spiritual growth and how they're radically self, you know, increasing their self-love and their, um, gosh, I'm nervous. And I'm just like, <laughs> this project is so important to me that like, I can't even speak correctly. So increasing their self-love and giving themselves permission to be full of themselves and fully themselves, gosh, and to, um, you know, fuck up like what I'm doing, <laughs> do it messy, but like get their, their passion projects out there and get it done. So, okay. So in 1999, um, 1998, I was looking for, I was looking for a home to buy and I was about, I guess like 23, 24 years old. And I was looking at traditional houses and I've just never been that excited about most traditional houses. And I started thinking, well, wait, now my uncle lived in an underground house. And when I say underground, I don't mean like Hobbit, like completely earth covered. Although there is a perfectly, it, it is a legitimate way to build, right? But what I'm talking about is earth burned, like earth dash B-E-R-M-E-D. And those are like built into the side of a hill, right? And there's earth on three sides of them. And the really cool thing about those is that they maintain a constant temperature of about 55 degrees year round, even without like any heating or cooling. So you're, if you build them correctly, you don't have to have HVAC or you could have, you know, heating and cooling, but you're not going to have to use it as much. Like you're, electricity bills go down enormously, right? And if you position them southeasterly facing, then you're able to get some passive solar heating, which also obviously helps with heating, but you also can get like some natural light into the home so that you don't have to use as much electricity. So they're they're really cool, right? They're just kind of using the Earth's natural principles um, to, to, ha to house people, right? and save money on electricity, take a burden off the electric grid, you know, all that stuff. Now, and you can have these hooked up to the grid. They don't have to be off grid, but even the people that I know who live in earth burned houses, their electricity bills are negligible. They are way lower than for like traditional houses, even homes that are, you know, high energy rated and have like the best insulation and insulated windows and all that stuff. Underground houses, earth burned houses are always going to beat that. Okay. So my dad had been into those for a long time. He thought they were really cool. I had one uncle who actually lived in one and, uh, and he was on grid. Um, but I started thinking, well, maybe I'll get one of those. And it got me into this rabbit hole where I found earthships. And before I go into earthships, let me explain about 
what off-grid means. So off-grid, when you're running from the law, like when you're like wanted by the FBI and you go off-grid, it means that you're not using like your, you're not using the internet, you're not using email, you're not using a cell phone, right? And you might go hole up in a cabin that also has no, no water or power or, you know, whatever, just hiding out, right? But what off-grid means more and more today is being self-sufficient when it comes to making your own power, you know, either with like hydroelectric or solar power or wind power and um, producing your own water, like not being cooked. God, this is hard, y'all, but I'm not going to edit this because this is just me being me. And that's what the podcast is, is one of the things it's really about. And it's something I'm really passionate about. Okay. So producing your own water, either, you know, through a well or doing rainwater catch. And it can also mean like producing all or, you know, some of your own food, right? And one of the things I'm really emphasizing in the podcast is that it's okay to like not go completely off grid. It's okay to define what that looks like for you. So for instance, for me, I want to do rainwater catch and it's legal in my state and in my part of the country where I'm probably going to build. Um, it just means like you're catching white rainwater on your roof and funneling it into like a giant holding tank called a cistern and then pump, you know, filtering it and pumping it into your house for use. Um, I'm probably going to, I'm, I want to do most of my own power, like with solar power, but I probably will have, I will probably be hooked up to the grid just as a backup. So I'm not going to be like in the strict distance off grid. I am most definitely going to have internet and cell phone and I will, I'm going to grow a lot of my own fruits and vegetables because I'm a cancer survivor and I want to know what the hell is in my food um, and also in my water. So I'm not going to be like strict sense off grid, but I do want to have like just independence from the grid. I, I want to have as much independence as I can from centralized systems. So that's what off grid can mean. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not going to go into homesteading and all that, but on the podcast, I will be talking to people about homesteading, um, tiny home living, all kinds of alternative housing, because it's just fascinating to me, alternative construction, as well as, you know, how people are defining off-grid for themselves and what makes sense for them and um, really encouraging people to start where they are. Like, you don't have to move out to the middle of nowhere in Alaska and, you know, do it all at once. You can start with, you know, a community garden in the city. You can start with growing herbs on your windowsill, right? Um, okay. So getting back to my story. So I found earth shifts and I was really, really fascinated because they're kind of earth burned. They definitely can be earth burned, but they are earth rammed buildings. So earth ram just means that you're taking you're taking dirt or clay and you're packing it into a structure in order to like make walls. And in the case of earth ships, they were packing the dirt into tires, like automobile tires. And it's not the case now. We can actually recycle tires. But at the time, like in the late 90s, we couldn't recycle tires. And so all these tires were getting stacked up into 
I think not even regular landfills, like special landfills, and they weren't breaking down. They were off-gassing and releasing toxic gases into the um, atmosphere, and God help you, if they got struck by lightning or otherwise set on fire, they produce really, really, like, noxious smoke, and you couldn't put them out. Like, it was almost impossible to put them out, right? So Michael Reynolds is the name of the architect that came up with the concept of building homes out of old tires. And, you know, it was like, it's a cheap building material. Um, you can get these tires for free. And it's also solving an, an environmental problem or making this very unusable thing at the time into a, a useful building material. And he also incorporated using like um, aluminum cans and bottles and other upcycled, upcycled materials in, to make these homes. And then he designed systems so that they could be like completely, completely off grid. So I was just, I was totally fascinated with these. And I'm going to show you, show you some pictures now. Okay. Yep. Yay. Okay. So, whoops. Okay. So this is the front of the Phoenix Earthship. It's currently for rent. Um, excuse me, as an Airbnb, I have not been to this one. This one actually didn't exist when I first started geeking out about these things. Uh, but I think it's like one of the more luxurious ones. And the other thing I love about this concept is that it really showed like you don't have to be roughing it in order to live more sustainably and to live independent of the grid. You can actually live pretty luxuriously. So I'm going to show you some pictures of the inside. But first, to kind of explain what you're, what you're looking at. So this is like a fire pit um, in the front. And then this is all glass. And this is southeasterly facing. And this is where... They have a giant greenhouse in this one, like the biggest greenhouse I've ever seen in an Earthship is inside this one. And you can kind of see right here, like the top of a tree. So they're actually growing like fruit trees, um, as well as all kinds of like herbs and plants, edible herbs and plants inside of this house, right? And they're doing this all with rainwater catch. And this is in New Mexico where they don't get a lot of rain, right? But they catch it, they put it in these cisterns, they filter it, and they use it back in the house. Okay, so this is this is the front of the Phoenix Earthship. It's also for sale for anybody. It's almost like $2 million, I want to say, um, but really, really cool. So, but before we go into like what they look like on the outside and how pretty they are, I wanted to show you like how they're built. So these are tire walls and these are just tires that have been filled with dirt. And when you can't fill them with dirt anymore, you start, you use a sledgehammer and you pack it in. And it takes about three, two to three wheelbarrows full of dirt for each tire. And you don't have to have like cement or any kind of mortar in between them because they're really, really, really heavy. They're like 200 to 250 pounds, I think, when they're full. And you you fill them up, you level them, and you offset them like just like with bricks. Like you don't ever have two joints like completely on top of each other. You have to like offset it. Um, I don't know if you can see it. Like it's never like this. It's always like this. And you can see that here on the tire wall. And then they do a lot of, you can see they do use some lumber, but a lot of these are like deadfall trees that they found and just stripped and used. So they really do a lot to make it super sustainable. And then up here, these are cans. This looks like a can wall. So these are aluminum cans that have been set like bricks with cement around them. And it's creating like the caps for 
the tire walls in the front and also the caps for the tire walls on the side to lay the roof on. So all these like upcycled materials and and it's and it's free. Like people people will give you this stuff for free because they don't want it, right? Um so yeah, I just I fell in love with this concept. I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. And so here you can kind of you can see like the full outside of the Phoenix Earth ship. So like I said, huge greenhouse, and we're going to see the inside of it in just a second. Um, they have, you know, this nice little area outside, um, you know, for, I don't know, just it's an outdoor relaxation area, fire pit. Um, I'm not sure what's really up with, like, this little green area. Obviously, they're growing grass. Um, and the way they're able to do that is that not only are they taking – the way they're able to grow so much is that not only are they taking the rainwater and putting it into to a cistern, but they're recycling their gray water. So if you don't know, black water is anything that is in your toilet, right? <laughs> like when you flush your toilet, that's black water. But gray water is, you know, anytime you're using a sink or you're using a dishwasher or even washing clothes, so long as you're using biodegradable soap, then it's gray water and plants love it, right? So they're able to like recycle this gray water instead of just like flushing it into the, you know, back into the sanitation system or um, the water system, what do you call that? I'm blanking right now. Or into a septic tank, they're actually reusing it. And so it allows like the little bit of water they get in this area of the world, they're able to really make it go like super far. Okay, so all of this is glass um, and really high ceilings because they've got trees growing in there. And then back here, you can see like some of their solar panels. I'm sure that in a home this large, there's more solar panels. Um, I just can't see it in this picture. And I don't know exactly where their cistern is, but I'll be able to show you in a later picture on a different model or ship. So yeah, you can actually go rent this. You can go buy it. So cool. Okay, so this is inside the greenhouse, and so you see they've got, like, freaking trees growing in here, and they also have, like, these little ponds, so they're doing aquaponics where there are live fish in these ponds. Why would there be dead fish, Heather? I don't know. <laughs> there are fish in these ponds, and the plants are actually feeding for fertilizer off of the fish poo, right? And so as long as you're feeding these fish organic food, this is like the like premier way of growing food. Um, hydroponics and aquaponics, if you set it up correctly, the plants actually grow faster and healthier than in the soil and they take up less space. It's really, really wild. But with hydroponics, you're using all man-made chemicals to fertilize but with aquaponics you're using fish poo right and if you're somebody who likes fish you can actually go and and fish in these little ponds and catch really fresh absolutely organic fish that you know exactly what's in them because you fed them right and you know exactly what's in the water because you filtered it right so you can have like a whole meal right here you know, just from just from like your greenhouse right in front of your home. And then this is where they've taken bottles, these little divots. This are these are bottles that they've put into a concrete matrix to make this little seating area and a little patio table. So you can just kind of go hang out in this like jungle in front of your house. And here's one of the bedrooms. So they've got this set up as an Airbnb right now. So that's why there's like two beds in this giant bedroom. Um, but there's a fireplace right here. And you can see it looks directly out into this 
jungle, right? Jungle greenhouse thing in front. And this is also, you know, providing like passive solar heating. It's heating up the concrete, not concrete, the stone floors. Um, and it will release that heat in the night and help it stay warm. And uh, it's also providing some light. And then, of course, they've got lights running also over here. This is a view in back into uh, a different bedroom also in the house. And it's just, you know, from the kind of jungle corridor here. Um, hallway, and here's more of the glass water, uh, glass bottle walls. I love this bathroom. This is so cool. Um, they've arranged the bottles into patterns, and it's almost like stained glass. And this is this is trash that they've built this out of. <laughs> it's like glass bottles and you know freaking concrete. Um, I love like the the really like odd shape of this shower like bath combo. Um, and then they've got like what looks like a standard toilet. Um, and I think, yeah, everything in the greater earth community, that's where birth, they were the birth of earth shifts, greater earth community in Taos, New Mexico, or just outside of Taos, New Mexico. Um, everything from this toilet would go to the septic tank, but everything from the bathtub and the sink would go recycle into the planters with the gray water to feed the plants. So I found out about these, I became completely obsessed, and they had books <laughs> to teach you how to make them. And they also had like some VHS video cassettes, because <laughs> this was the 90s. And I bought this stuff, and they were very adamant that like anybody could build these things, right? And so I got really, really excited, and I bought some land. And I, you know, I had a boyfriend at the time and I was like, we're going to build one of these things. And he thought they were really cool. And so we, you know, we started our, our off-grid adventure. So I bought a piece of land in North Georgia and it was almost eight acres for like $40,000. It was phenomenal. And I think back, I, I don't have the property anymore and it just kind of like makes me sick. Um, one of the things that was great about the property is that it had this large like garage slash workshop. So there had been a there had been a trailer, a, um, a um, mobile home on the property, and it had burned down, I think. And so they had cleared all that off. But the people had built this workshop slash garage, and it was still like in really good shape. And it was you know twenty by. 25 something like that it was like a real it was a really good size and we decided that we would just live in it while we built our house and we had like really skewed expectations of how long it was going to take to build the house you can build them pretty quickly if you have like a crew of friends that know what they're doing and are willing to work their ass off with you we just had the two of us and occasionally a friend of his so um we moved into this garage. And so right here, you can see, like, I bought all the building materials. You know, I estimated for the size of our ship that we were going to build. It was going to be pretty small. Um, and then we were going to add on later. But I bought, like, $2,000 worth of building materials. This was probably, this was probably, like, $5,000 today. Um, but I had, I had everything here. And we were going, we needed that we needed to, the, building wasn't insulated, right? So we bought a whole bunch of fiberglass insulation and um, we got ultimately, um, we got a wood stove and we installed that. And this place did not have running water or power. So we got a temporary power pole. And so all of our power came from this little temporary power pole outside and a construction grade 
um, drop cord or extension cord into the house and or into this garage that we lived in. And so in a way, we were kind of off grid. Like, I wonder if this is where my concept of off grid comes from now that I'm thinking about it, like because we were connected, connected to power, but we didn't have running water. We didn't have a toilet. Um yeah, it's interesting. I just put that kind of put that together. Um, but we you know, we had the we had the small um, wood stove and we could cook on it and we could also, you know, also get heat, obviously. So we set about doing the insulation. And here's <laughs> here's where things you can start to see things just not going the way that they're supposed to. This is like one of the first signs that things are just not going to go well for this. So we put up the insulation. I had seen my dad and and other people do this sort of work, like when they were expanding our house when I was younger. And it's not rocket science, you know. So here I am putting up insulation. And what's hilarious about this is that, like, I was working as an escort at this time. So I was going to Atlanta and working as an escort and then for, like, three or four days out of the week and then driving an hour and a half back to my property and doing this kind of shit. <laughs> Like, looking like a freaking, I don't know, like, terrorist, you know, just all masked up and everything. So, we got the insulation in. Again, we got the insulation in. And again, it's not rocket science. But where we fucked up is we didn't think we were going to be living in this for very long. And so, we just didn't cover it, okay? Fiberglass insulation is, I don't know, some people say it's really hazardous. Some people are more, like, blasé about it. But if it's covered in your wall with like sheetrock or if we'd hung plywood over this, wouldn't have been, you know, that big of a deal, right? But we left it exposed, right? So already this is a health hazard, you know, and already this is just, you know, me, me being sloppy, me being a hurry, in a hurry. I just think these pictures are hilarious, though. Okay, so here is, here's where we were going to build the house. And so we've got all our tires laid out. Um. I actually went to the building uh, building codes people in this small town, and they gave me permission to build this. I told them exactly what I was doing. I had a set of blueprints that I had bought from um, the Earthship people, and they were cool with it, you know, so long as the tires were covered, right? And I, at the time, like, I ended up needing a brake job for my car, and when I told the people at the garage that I needed tires, they did my brakes for free. And they gave me like, I don't know, I, I don't know how many tires, a shit ton of tires. So I got free brakes <laughs> and they were good. I didn't have to have another brake job. It worked. And I got all these tires for free, right? So this is one of the beautiful things that if you choose to do this type of thing, like the building materials are really cheap for it, right? So here we have everything set out. And this was going to be, these tires are like set off to the side, but like this gap is where the door would be and it's facing southeasterly. And so we were going to be able to do the passive solar and this, we only had to cut down one tree for this. So that made me really happy. And here is proof. This was our first tire. So, but this is also showing like this is foreshadowing one of our, our big mistakes. And I'll tell you more about that in a second. But yeah, so we got, we got, this was our first tire done. We got a lot more done than that, but this was the, the first tire. And here we go uh, to one of the reasons why this whole thing just did not work out. So uh, this is me smoking. And for any of you familiar, you can look at that and tell that it is not a cigarette. It is a blunt. And so I had a huge, huge, huge marijuana habit. Now, I'm not anti-weed at all. And 
I don't judge if like somebody can be productive and smoke weed all day every day <laughs> or maybe just like not smoke at all we all day every day like use it responsibly you know that's you know that's totally up to you I could not so we were smoking about an ounce a week which is a lot it's a ridiculous amount of marijuana and <laughs> like most most people think that's a ridiculous amount of marijuana and I wasn't particularly productive when I was smoking it and neither was my boyfriend. And so one of my big mistakes in going after this project at the time is that my mental health wasn't good and I had a monkey on my back with the smoking. Um, it was costing me a lot of money and it, you know, there were a lot of like smoke breaks when we could have been, you know, doing something productive. Okay. And so here's, you know, further into the build, and there's actually two things that are that are wrong with this picture are <laughs> two things that indicate why this was not going to work out. So, no, so you can see, like, we got, like, a few rows of, of tires done and we were leveling them and, you know, we were um, uh, not putting them directly on joints. We were. Oh, my gosh, my vocabulary is just gone today. Um, we were. Um, doing all this stuff. And I think in that one, oh, I, I just noticed this. I'm actually kicking dirt in. So I had on steel-toed boots. And sometimes it was easier to like kick the dirt in than it was to get the sledgehammer. Uh, but eventually to get them to, you know, the, to completely full, you did have to do the sledgehammer. So, um, but here is, here, here's one problem. So out west where these things were developed, the water table is really low. These things, you know, our ships were developed in New Mexico. It's a drought state, right? So the water table is super low. So in, in those places and those types of areas, you can actually dig down into the ground and use that, use the ground as your wall. You just plaster over it with adobe and make it look pretty and you're fine. But in the southeast where I'm from, we have a lot of rain and our water table is really high. And so we had not asked anybody questions. We had not, um, they had a class that we could have gone and taken and we did not go do it because we had books and we had videos and we thought this was enough, right? So we were hoping to make this 20 feet in circumference. It was round and then about 20 feet high so that we had, um, we had two floors. And my boyfriend, I don't know if you can tell from this picture, he's hella tall. He was like six foot four. So we needed it to be about 20 feet high. And we thought, well, we'll just dig down about 10 feet. Nope, 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 nope. So this, at this point, like, it's, we're pretty much fucked, but we didn't know it, right? So we we're just keeping it going. The other thing, uh, the reason why this represents uh, one of the things that cost me the dream is that this was a very unhealthy relationship. Um, we were both heavily into smoking weed. Um, we were both uh, trauma survivors and didn't didn't really have that language, didn't really have that understanding. We were extremely codependent. We were very mentally and emotionally abusive to each other and it was just sick it was just it was just not good it was highly dysfunctional and um but we wouldn't leave each other we were together for five years like off and on and it was it was a drain on my mental health I was already experiencing a lot of anxiety and depression I was medicated um you know, by a, by a psychiatrist. And I also saw a therapist on a regular basis and it, it wasn't enough. And I, I now understand that I have a very, very long list of, of trauma. And um, at the time I didn't know that. And I was just doing talk therapy, which I say therapy saved my life, but personal growth made it worth living because therapy just, it, it like, 
it gave me um, it gave me like a little bit of a release to go in and so- talk to my therapist, but she wasn't challenging me to make any changes, and it was just kind of rehashing the past all the time. And so it just wasn't the most effective treatment, but it was all I knew to do, and I was doing that. But then I was also smoking a lot of weed, and I was in a relationship that was traumatizing me in different ways over and over again. And I was in a um, I was I was working as an escort, which I loved, but there were a lot of traumatic situations that happened from that as well. So all this to say, like my mental and emotional health were not good. And I was undertaking this big project with someone that um, we really, really, really needed to be apart from each other, but we weren't willing to do it. And this is a picture. So um, so he did none of my friends came up and help. I will say this about my about my ex. One of his friends actually knew how to work a backhoe and um, came out and was doing this digging for us. He was really helpful. And we just didn't know that it was actually not. It was terrible. Like what what we were having him do was the wrong thing. We just didn't know. Okay, so. We worked on that for a couple of years before we finally went out to New Mexico and visited one of these things. And we were, I don't know who we were just like silly or cocky or like just believed the, believed the hype, you know, that like anybody can build these. And, and it's not that you can't, but if you don't have building experience and everything, you're going to run into problems. And it's like, when you buy a business course or you're working with a business coach and you're, well, it's more like, like business course, I guess you watch the videos and it all makes sense. But then when you try to apply what you learn to your business, for most of us, all these like nuances come up. And if we don't have the proper support to answer those questions and help us navigate the nuances, then our results are not going to be very good, right? So that's a very good analogy. It was very similar to what how I've been about my biz building journey um, and, you know, getting the wrong mentorship or, or not not getting the right mentorship, I guess is the better way to say it. So we went out and we rented this earthship. We did not go out and take a class. But while we were there, we did find out kind of like where we were screwing up. So this is the Nautilus Earthship. And this giant like circular part, this is the cistern. I want to say it's like 3,000 or 5,000 gallons of water gets collected on this roof when, when they have like their rainy season and gets stored here. And then they filter it and it goes into the house, right? So this is kind of the backside. These, if I'm not mistaken, are like hay bales. Um, that and I'm sure there's there's something like holding the hay bales in place and there's adobe over them and it's like steps and you can just walk up to the roof and like it's an amazing view um, the the mountains um, in n- northern Nevada not Nevada Jesus northern New Mexico um, were really pretty it was amazing and here's the front of it and so um, a much small this is a much smaller airship than the Phoenix that I was showing you originally this one. Um, you know, it does have a greenhouse in the front of it. You know, all this is glass. And um, it was just, it was really, really cool. It was just really cool. So I'm going to show you like the inside. So here they've got a banana tree growing in the desert and it's taller than me, which is not saying a lot because I'm only five foot two, but the fact that they're able to grow food year round in these things without having to have outside sources of water is really, really freaking amazing. 
And then here is the kitchen, and they've actually got a live grapevine growing through it. And so there were no grapes on it when I was there. I don't know how often grapes fruit, um, but it was really, really pretty. And how cool is that to just, like, be able to walk in your kitchen and pick, like, super fresh grapes? And then here is the bedroom, which was kind of set up in a loft and um, had, you know, a fireplace up there. And um, those little, like, eye-looking windows are, like, peeping out onto the roof. And it was just the coolest. It was the coolest things ever. But while we were there, we found out that, like, yeah, you can't dig that deep into the ground in Georgia, uh, where the water table is high and just adobe over the walls is not going to work. So even though we didn't go to a workshop, I did go wander around and they they were, you know, probably doing workshops at the time, but they had people building other earthships in the subdivision because uh, Greater Earth uh, Greater Earth Community is a subdivision, completely off-grid subdivision. And um, I was talking to people and that's when I found out like, oh, we, we fucked up. Right. And I don't think we could have just filled it in. I don't think that that would have worked either. Um, but yeah, this is where we found that we, that we had screwed up. And also you can see in this picture, if you look really close, another problem. And that is that at this point I was starting to get into harder drugs. So um, we, yeah, <laughs> it was not good. I've got like, I've always had like kind of circles under my eyes, like, you know, even when I was, like, very young, I had circles under my eyes, but, like, this, like, it looked like I have black eyes, and, like, nobody was hitting me. It was just drugs. <laughs> so, okay, so that's, like, kind of the end of show and tell. Okay, so, and then another thing that, um, are we still recording? Yeah, okay. So, another thing, it's the first time I've used, like, the canvas slideshow thing. Let me get some water. Another thing that was a problem with my first attempt to get off grid is that I didn't have I didn't have a location independent job. And like I said, I was working as an escort, which I could go anywhere in the world and work, you know, but I had to be there physically. Right. And so if I had kept that home, I was either going to have to like commute into Atlanta every night to go to work or do what I was doing already, which was to go and stay with a friend for like three or four nights out of the week. Right. So it, it would have been a lot of driving and, you know, just a lot of annoying. And after 10 months of living in that garage <laughs> with, you know, I mean, we had electricity technically, but, um, you know, it still got cold. It still got hot because uh, even with insulation, like structures like that don't maintain their temperature very well. And, you know, not being able to easily take a bath like we were taking a, like sponge baths with, um, you know, jugs of water with like little spouts on them. I mean, you know, we had to like shit in the woods like it was just it was bonkers, you know. And I mean, it's a cool experience. I'm glad I did it. But um after 10 months of that, we we moved back to the city full time and I kept the property, but we never really did, you know, anything else with it. And ultimately I sold the property. Um, I did disclose that there were tires on the property um, and I let it go. And, you know, a, a, another another part of what had me let my dream go then was that everybody like most people thought I was freaking crazy, right? They're like, you're going to go build your own house and you're building it out of tires. Like I get why they thought I was crazy. Like I really do. <laughs> but I also knew like I had, I had seen them with my own eyes. I had been inside them. I knew it worked. Right. But 
everybody's like low opinion of it combined with the fact that I wasn't making the kind of progress I wanted to make um, because I didn't get the help. Like if I had gone out to New Mexico before we started building and, you know, spent the money to get out there, the money to stay out there and the money for the workshop, like it would have been less than like, I don't know, it would have been, it would have been less than like $2,000 and the whole thing would have gone much better. Right. But I didn't do that. Right. So, I was I was really bummed about it, and I started letting you know other people's opinions get in my head, um, which is one of the reasons why on the podcast I'm really and and well and since then it's been so important for me to get to a point where I really give myself permission to be fully myself and to really honor myself and to really um, embrace my standards, values, and desires, and not worry about what other people think. Um, and so. So yeah, so that was that was a big part of like why I I didn't finish. Like one of my big mistakes was caring what other people thought. So in 2020, when everything was getting kind of bonkers in the world, I was like, wow. Like I've always regretted that I didn't finish the house, but when that happened, I was like, this this is why the house is a good idea. Now back in 1998, 1999, I was a prepper. I was scared to death. My dad had me watch entirely too many post-apocalyptic sci-fi movies when I was way too young to process that shit. Like I saw the original Terminator, which is terrifying when I was like 11. <laughs> okay. Not good. Not good for the nervous system. So when they started talking about Y2K and computers failing and it putting us back into the stone age, like part of me was really psyched because I was like, the world sucks, but part of me was really freaked out. And so that was a, not only did I think that like an earthship was a great idea and an off-grid living and being, you know, more self-sufficient was a great idea, but there also was a lot of fear behind it. And so that was a lot of what drove me to, to do things. And, um, I was a shitty prepper. Like I would have been dead inside of like a month probably. Right. Like, you know, I, w I wasn't even well stocked enough. I didn't even have enough weed for a month, much less <laughs> enough food and water and all that stuff. And, you know, we didn't have, we didn't have the house finished. So we weren't doing rainwater catch or any of the, all the things. So, um, but now I, I want, I, I just think it, I just think it makes sense. And I've actually decided that I, I actually don't want to survive the fall of civilization. Um, I don't want to be there for that. The world is a wild enough place as it is. Um, you know, if, if shit really goes down, like I don't want to survive it, but while shit is still functioning, I do want to have a home where I am, I have as much freedom as possible. I want to have a lifestyle where I have as much freedom as possible. So you know, I've got my coaching business where, you know, I can work from literally anywhere so long as I have internet. Um, you know, I want to have a home that I'm producing most of my power, all of my water and a lot of my food. I want to continue to work on my mental health and my personal and spiritual growth because um, and my physical health, because I want to be as independent as possible from the medical system, um, you know, I, and I want to be happy. I want to feel free. And I'm continuing to work on loving myself and giving myself full, full permission to to own my standards, values and desires and really live for them, live from them. Easy for me to say. So um, and, you know, so what I'm doing differently around getting off grid this time. So my goal is to be off grid by the end of 2025. Um, I am 
doing this podcast, which is going to help me to network with other people with similar ideas and really stay current and, and get educated on how much the technology and the building methods and everything have changed in the last 20 years, right? Um, 25 years. Oh, my gosh. Um, and also, like, I'm doing a lot more planning. I'm being a lot more conscious about what I'm doing. I'm not just, you know, I'm not operating from this place of fear, first off, you know. Um, I did start looking for land uh, about a year ago, and I was narrowing in, you know, on some possibilities, but then my mental health got bad. Um, I've had, like, all this, like, really gnarly old school, not old school, really gnarly childhood trauma come up. And so I'm, you know, working with a therapist doing EMDR, which is far more effective than just talk therapy for me. Um, you know, I, I work with somebody doing EFT. I'm doing all this stuff for my mental health. But, you know, having had the experience before when my mental health wasn't good and I was trying to work this big project, I said, okay, I'm just going to stop looking for land right now and I'm going to take care of myself and go from there. So that's another thing I'm doing very differently. I've worked a lot on codependence and um, I actually haven't dated in a really long time. I want to change that. Um, but I've still got some things I want to work through before I, I go into that, you know, project. Um, and let's see what else. Yeah. So those are the things I'm doing to make this like very, very different this time. And I'm not going to, I might do some of the work myself, but I'm just going to hire people. Like I'm probably going to build an earth burned house. So it's like more traditional construction where I can just hire people to do it. Um, unless I end up like, I don't know, meeting meeting the man of my dreams, and he's also like a construction worker, right? I, I just don't want to go into this project again with, you know, nobody knowing what the hell they're doing. Like, it's just not the smart way to go. Um, so, yeah, thanks for coming along and listening to my journey. I hope that it's helpful if you've tried this, and, um, you know, let me know. Let me know. Have you tried going off-grid or, you know, building your own home or, you know, building a tiny home, Um producing your own food, catching your own water, like if you tried any of this, um, let me know. Let me know what were what were your results. And, you know, if you didn't make it, like what, what are you going to do differently next time? And, um, you know, stay tuned for the podcast because I'm having conversations with other entrepreneurs who um, some of their businesses actually are around more sustainable living. Um, some of them have, you know, completely different types of online businesses, but they have the entrepreneurship freedom and they're also, um, you know, doing, you know, more sustainable living, growing some of their own food. Some of them are off grid. Some of them have tiny, tiny homes. Um, and we're just going to be having, you know, discussions about like how they got there. And um, you'll learn a lot about, you know, techniques and you'll get uh, involved in a network um, and learn from people who are actually doing these things. I'm going to have people talk about alternative healing, um, everything from like energy healing and nutrition based healing to, um, you know, personal and spiritual growth. Uh, I think that you can't. And all this centers around freedom, right? So um, I'm going to be talking to people about what their concept of freedom is and how these four things, entrepreneurship, uh, sustainable alternative, sustainable living, alternative housing, homesteading, um, holistic healing, and, you know, radical self-love and self-expression. Like, how are they, how do they define those? And does that fit into their definition of freedom? Does it fit into your definition of freedom? How do you define freedom? I would love to know that, too. So. 
a lot of good discussions. I've already recorded four of the interviews and um, really fascinating people, like really doing cool things. And um, all of us really affirming that, like, start where you are. You don't have to, like, do the big thing. You don't have to go to extremes. Um, I bought a tower garden this year because I'm living in an apartment. I can't really, you know, I could grow outside, but I don't feel like dealing with bugs. I thought bugs actually would be less of a problem, but my tower garden keeps getting aphids and I've still got to figure that out. But it was a way for me to start on my dream, like in a small way, right? Before our, I'm, you know, while I'm still figuring out like where I'm going to buy land, what, what type of house I'm going to build and, you know, all the things. Um, so yeah, I think that's all. Thank you so much for tuning into this. I'm really, really excited about this podcast. If you or somebody that you know would make a great guest for this, if you're an expert in, you know, any of the four pillars of the podcast, definitely let me know. And um, especially if you're an expert or or have a lot of experience and want to share your story about multiple pillars of it, you know, so people don't have to be off-grid or sustainable. If they're entrepreneurs who um, have a very profound story about their personal and spiritual growth or their physical healing that they want to share. Or, you know, if there's somebody that, you know, maybe they live in a city and they live in an apartment and um, they're not growing anything, but they are really leaving, leading their life from their own standards, values, and desires. Like that type of person would be absolutely welcome on a podcast, um, which reminds me, I need to, there's somebody I need to reach out to. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and shut up now, but I am really excited about this. Tell me what you want to learn about, like what specific things are are really exciting to you, um, you know, of these four pillars. And what do you want to learn more about? Who do you want me to talk to? Um, all the things. So thank you for coming with me on this journey and my first episode of the wildlife show with Heather and um yeah, come back for more interviews because there's some cool people that I've already talked to and I know I'm going to be talking to like more cool people uh, soon, maybe even you. All right. Bye.